Podcast. I'm super, super excited to be back in the conversation chair here at uh, Tyler Innovation Pipeline. I have a super special guest for you today. Uh, the Strong Calm Podcast is all about strong calm, C-O-M. That's the root word for communication, community building, and company, whether that's the company that you're building or the company that you keep. And today I am blessed to be talking with Yaziri Orostieta. Nice. All right, third time's a charm, right? So, or AKA Yo, the CEO. How That's are right. you? Doing well. How are you? It's Doing so good. great to be here. Yeah, it's good to uh, chat with you again. We've had many conversations over the past uh, few months since we've yeah. you know met. I guess we met I don't know, months ago, something like that. But. Um, you are a, uh, you know, a multifaceted professional uh, in marketing and communication. So um, I think people are going to learn a lot from this, hopefully, if I do my job right. If I do my job right, too, right? right? right. Yeah, so, pressure's on. Um, first thing, introduce yourself and what you do to somebody who might not know who you are. Sure. Um, I am Yo. Yo, Yasirio Rostieta. Um, I had a volleyball coach in ninth grade. She couldn't say my name during the first day of tryouts. She's like, you. She just pointed at me and she said, you're yo. And it stuck since then. It's been one of the best branding things in my life. Like it's been a gift from God. Um, but it's it's been wonderful to um, to be able to have that personal brand, I guess, um, by this coach just because of my name. Right. But mm. I, I love my name. I feel like it's a strong name. So I'm like, I love it. But it's also nice to be able to, to have that other element of it. But um, I'm yo. I've grown up in Tyler, been here um, since I was like six years old, um, lived in all four areas of Tyler, North, East, West, South. Um, and I've been to school here, went through, you know, the ISD here, um, TJC, UT Tyler. I did go out to Denton to get a master's um, international business, but I commuted every single week, two times a week minimum. There was one semester where I did three three times a week because I did a Saturday class um, to Denton um, or the Dallas campus sometimes um, for a master's in international business. Yeah. I think about that drive nowadays and I'm like, what was I thinking? But I wasn't thinking, right? I just needed to do it. I had yeah. this goal and I said, I'm going to have my master's by the time I was 28 and I had to make it happen. So I commuted. So went to Denton. I loved it. It was a great experience there. Um, I started off as an intern for Mentoring Minds. I was working at Bank of America um, many years ago, 2004. I was working Bank of America um, to 2007, I want to say. I, I moved in the company really fast. I didn't know I was good at sales into a, a manager, Jennifer Holt, which is one of the best managers I've, I had. It's like, you're good. Like, would you like to be a personal banker? Eight mm. months into my job as a teller. Mm -hmm. But in my mind, I was thinking, I'm just helping people. Like, you know, well, if, you know, I see that they constantly have overdraft fees. Well, let's avoid some of those fees by having some other product as a backup. Or, you know, um, they had a lot of money in their savings. So it's like, well, you could be making more money or are you saving for any, you know? Mm -hmm. So to me, it was always about how do I help people more than like, oh, I'm going to to sell, right? So I moved into a personal banker position with them, was there for a little bit as, as a banker. Um, my career um, in school kind of suffered. Mm -hmm. So I talked to my parents. I was like 20, I know I was 19. I talked to my parents and they're like, well, think about it. Do you want to have this job that seems like you're making good money right now? Um, or do you want to go through the, you know, the whole process of going through school and, and really eventually get to a higher paying job? So um, I ended up having to like withdraw off from a class and all this other stuff. Um, went full time as a, I'm sorry, went full time as a student. Yeah. And then part time as, as a supervisor teller for the Motor Bank. And then one summer, my last summer um, at the bank, Michael and Lisa Lujan came into into the bank and um, offered me an internship and then my life just changed, right? Um, they offered me an internship in their marketing department, started off there, um, went to work for them for eight years, then went to Heritage Land Bank to do marketing, um, marketing director, left as VP marketing. And then I came back full circle to work for Mike and Lisa Lujan again as um, CEO of WorkHub. So that's pretty much me in a, a yeah. nutshell. Yeah. You know, fun. I don't know. I don't know what I do for fun. I volunteer for fun. You volunteer for fun. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. So uh, help me with the, with the, um, the sequence here. So you 
were, were born and raised here in, or well, not born, but you're raised mostly in East Texas mm-hmm. and Tyler and yeah. everything. The last 29 were, years, I'll be 35. Tell me what the, so when you got your master's at 28, where were you working? At Mentoring Minds. At Mentoring Minds. Yes. Okay, cool. Yeah. So the, the, the Bank of America and, you know, that early banking, and then that kind of started when you were younger, 1920. So you're, that was your first-ish job? That it was my very first job at okay, 19. At yeah, I was, um, yeah, I was 19, I believe. Um, my parents wanted me to, my parents moved to this country because of, they wanted a better education for mm-hmm. my um, siblings and myself. So um, my first semester in college, they're like, don't, don't work get used to college. I'm first, you know, generation college student. So, um, for my family. So I did that. And then at 19, I, I applied for Bank of America. I've got the job and I was with Bank of America for almost five years. Awesome. Did you work <clears throat> through college? I did after my first semester. Yeah. My first semester was the only one I did not. Mm-hmm. Um, and then everything else I've worked, it's been nonstop. Yeah. 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 Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's the, the facts of life, right? It's yeah. nonstop once you're in. Um, so do you, when, when you were going through your master's, were you banking then as well? No, I was at Mentoring Minds at that point. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, I started working with Mentoring Minds at 23. Um, Mike only saw for me an internship mm-hmm. in their marketing department. I think I was like the 32nd employee. You know, Mentoring Minds now has over 100 employees um, nationwide. So um, there was the marketing director, Gavin Rasco, and then myself. Um, I spent most of my um, intern semester cleaning up data, CRM. You know, mm-hmm. I'm really particular about data and, and all, you know, all it does. So I spend most of my time cleaning out CRM system and really getting to understand how data plays a role in marketing. And I always think of myself as a very analytical marketer more than a creative marketer mm. because I, I spent so much time just seeing what the numbers, you know, they all tell a story and they give you so much great information that sometimes it's, you know, you have to dig into it, but once you have it, it's pure gold. Yeah. So I did that, um, starting at 23 as an intern and then they offered me a full-time job. Um, it was right before the economy crash. So it was, um, October 15th was my, my hire date with, with Mentoring Minds, 2007. And then, um, you know, the economy went downhill in 2008. So I was very blessed because like I had a lot of friends who like went back to Houston and Dallas and Austin and, you know, wherever they came from. Mm-hmm. And they were having a really hard time finding a job in in marketing that wasn't sales or, um, you know, even finding a job period because you just graduated. The economy right. went downhill. You know, they're not going to pay you with no experience yeah. or they're Marketing's not going to hire. Marketing's the first thing that gets cut. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was so blessed. Um, God's been so good to me. Yeah. <laughs> so um, did you, you mentioned one thing that I do want to kind of visit again. You said, I want to get a master's at some point. You said we wanted to get a master's and set the goal by 28. Right. What, um, why? Um, I don't know. It just, I feel like at 28, you know, I graduated at 23. I tried to start my master's program, um, right after. And I felt like, um, no offense, um, you know, to, to any of the schools, but I just feel like it was a continuation. Like I, I wasn't, mm-hmm. it was the same teachers here in town and it was the same, um, kind of concept. Mm-hmm. I didn't feel like it took me to that next level. You know, mm-hmm. It didn't challenge me. You're looking for something different. Yeah. And then I was like, okay, well, am I really going to get the most out of it? So what I did is I took a whole year off. Um, and then I started again. Um, and, and I knew I wanted to do international. Like that's been my goal always. Um, I wanted to do something international, um, preferably in Latin America. So, um, I didn't even go and visit UNT. Like I just went online, searched up who had a degree mm-hmm. in um, international. And um, I didn't even realize, like, this is how naive, like, I was just like, I want to do this. I didn't even think about it sometimes, but I didn't even realize that Denton was three and a half hours away. <laughs> I just was like, okay, this is taking me a while. <laughs> yeah, it's in Texas, right? How far is the Metroplex? So um, it was crazy. And people would like give me advice on how to get around the fastest way that I got to it way back, like in, you know, in that time, 2012, 13, um, was going through Greenville Mm -hmm. and then taking 380 to get to Denton. Mm -hmm. And, um, 
it was the farthest in miles. I went through two cars at that time. Um, and I, both of them had like 30, 38,000 miles every year. Wow. You know, that uh, is a lot of driving. It was a lot of driving. And my class were in around 10, so I wouldn't get home till like 1 or 2. I mean, like 2 in the morning usually. And, you know, start the mentor months was really flexible with my schedule. Um, my weekends were spent at the office, you know, catching up or whatever. But they were they were wonderful about giving mm-hmm. me this opportunity because they knew it meant something to me. But yeah, at 28, I just knew I had to have it by 28. And I did um, a semester. I graduated spring of 2013. And then um, fall of 2013, I turned 28. Awesome. So what I imagine sometimes that, you know, going to Denton and getting home late and working and, you know, that's a lot of time and stress. And I'm sure you're exhausted when you go home and, and, you know, sometimes I don't even want to travel Broadway. You know, I don't <laughs> yeah. go to South Tyler, much less, you know, and I'm doing a 45 minute trip to, to work now. And that's, you know, that's manageable for sure. Sure. Um, when you were when you were behind the wheel and it's dark and you're tired and I'm sure those days happened. What kept you driving and, and kept you going back and forth and saying, I've got to get this done? To be honest, my parents, my family did. Um, again, you know, my parents, we had a comfortable life in Mexico. You know, we talk about privilege. Well, I would say my family was a privilege or is privilege in, in Mexico. So, but they left that comfortable life to come here so that I could have a better life. Mm. And so um, education, again, being a big thing for me, like I was like, my parents can do it. And my parents travel a lot. My mom does sales. She is like a national executive national director for Mary Kay. They travel all throughout the oh, country cool. all the time. Um, and that's where my love for marketing came about. I would, at 13, I was designing newsletters for my mom for her business or postcards and, you know, all okay. this crazy, making cold calls. So, yeah. um, you know, I, I was like, well, if they can do it, if they're traveling around, I can do it, right? And I, that time I was like 26, 27, um, you know, um, so I was like, if they can do it, I can do it too. Sure. And I just kept going and there was a lot of audiobooks, um, <laughs> you know, audible, um, some podcast, really the idea of podcasts wasn't as right. popular, but there was one um Mentoring Minds gave me the opportunity to lead a pricing project for them when we were looking at rebranding some of the books and expanding nationally. We took the brand from a Texas market to a national market. Um, and I they hired a really great mentor for me, um, Lindsay Tumble from California, who used to work for Levi's and then also worked for Apple and did some consulting for Netflix on pricing and stuff like that. Um, so they hired her to kind of be my mentor. And I led this pricing project at Mentoring Minds. Um, while I was doing this and um, that's how I discovered podcasts so there was this gentleman who was a professor somewhere up I think in Ohio who had this ongoing podcast of how to take a business strategy and really put it into like 21 different podcasts you know oh interesting audios and they were like 30 minutes I mean they weren't very long so to me I had three and a half hours so I just would listen to a lot of um, audio stuff so it was great it was a really good at that time I wish there was like you know, some like textbooks would have been audible. That would have been great. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 Oh my gosh. I think about the thickness <clears throat> of college textbooks and that's a, that's a lot of, that's a lot of data. Right? Yeah. That, that would be a lot of data. Um, I'm glad you brought that up uh, with your mom being executive director of, uh, or one of the directors of Mary Kay. I was going to ask when you entered the workforce and you said you set your sights on international business, did you think that you would ever get into marketing? Whereas marketing uh, the avenue of, I, I suppose you're familiar, but did you think that you would get into, step your foot into that? Um, I, I went to, I went to college thinking I wanted to be a dentist. <laughs> I, uh, I was like, oh, I want to give everyone a good smile. And then I had my first biology class and I had to dissect a cow's eye. And I was like, this is not for me. I am going to die. Luckily, I had a really great friend, Crystal. Um, Crystal King was her maiden name. And she had gone through all the health science classes in high school and she loved the dissecting and stuff. So that was always my, my like biology partner. And she, yeah. I was just like taking notes and I was like, this is not for me. So then the next semester in college at TJC, I took an exploratory business class. Um, And I've... I had always been doing some kind of marketing, like like I said, through my mom, like I was making her follow-up calls or some of her call calls to invite people to meetings, her newsletter, her postcards. So I was 
I didn't even realize it as a kid that that's what I was doing mm-hmm. um, until I got into this business class and we did the finance, we did the marketing, you know, we did the accounting um, and I just gravitated towards marketing and I said, you know, I'm good at this. I like it. I understand it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it was, it became marketing thereafter. And then I went, you know, UT Tyler and, and focused on that. Um, I did a minor in PR and communications. I didn't realize that I could do a minor at UT Tyler until my last um, like um, summer and fall semester. So I was taking like 21 hours um, throughout throughout these last two semesters to fit in that minor. Mm-hmm. Um, working like all, I'm, for a whole year almost, I work every single Saturday at Bank of America. So I would work Monday through Saturday at Bank of America. But it's, just, I don't know, it's just one of those things that sometimes you don't, if you spend too much time in the decision, you just sit there, right? You, every all the fear in you just takes over your body, and um, some of the best decisions I've made have been like, okay, I got to do this. I'm going to do this, and just do it. Yeah. So that's what happened. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting how that yeah. works too. It's always, um, yeah, it, I love those moments where you say, yeah. you know, if it, it could have gone so differently. Could yeah. have gone so differently. Um, so let's jump into, I appreciate the background. I think we've got some good foundation. Yeah. There. Um, I want to jump into the first column, which is communication. And mm-hmm. we'll talk more, you know, we'll talk shop a little bit more about uh, marketing as a practice. So in, in, in your view, you know, like if you could define marketing, I'm just going to throw it on you. Real yeah. quick. Like w- <clears throat> what is marketing to you? Um, marketing to me is a fun and innovative way to help people like find what they're looking for. Mm, I love that definition. Because I feel like, you know, you have to have, it's kind of like when you, you, you know, you date someone and you meet them, like there has to be an attraction, right? Like there has to be something there that pulls you. So I think that's where the creative part comes into it. But then there's also that need of what, you know, you don't want to just sell people on anything just to sell them. Like it's really about the need that that person has that maybe they don't even know they have that need until they're able to, to be exposed to the marketing and the communications part of it. So um, I do think that in any scenario, it's about what is it that it's the right thing for that customer? Mm-hmm. Um, are you meeting that customer where they're at? Is it, you know, the right channel for them? Is it the right medium? Is it the right timing? Um, I had a really great um, marketing mentor that told me, you know, every, in marketing, everything's about the timing. Because you can have a beautiful piece that could be the most creative, colorful piece. But if that person isn't looking for a new set of tires or isn't looking for a new car, then, you know, that piece is irrelevant. Mm-hmm. So it's really helping them see what they need in your product or your service through the marketing, I feel like. Yeah, I like that. And it. I think that um, I think that exemplifies the differentiation between marketing and sales, too, in that, you know, people often say, I don't want to feel salesy. You know, I don't want to be And like you said, if you're behind the bank counter and you're like, oh, I got to sell this product for this banking product to this person. Well, you had the insight to know that, well, they're not going to use it just based on what you knew about that person. Exactly. Um, So but Mark, that that art of timing and understanding the end user, the person you're trying to connect with is super, super important. Um, So I want to learn more about marketing in the banking industry. So for you, when you're, when you're with Bank of America, Mm -hmm. that was, that was your first entrance. So you're, you're young, you're a young professional then, but you eventually uh, moved up the ranks and became a marketing director or what was your title when 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 you were marketing for a bank? um, When I started as marketing director for um, Heritage Land Bank at 29, it was 28. And then like a few months later, I turned 29. Mm -hmm. 28. Eight's are my number. I like, I am all about the superstitious, right? So eight's my number. So I um, turned 28, uh, or I was 28. I turned 29 a few months after, but um, I came in as marketing director. And then um, when I left um, earlier this year, I was VP marketing for for the bank. And um, the financial industry to me is fascinating. I love it because there's so much, there's so much that can be done to help other people through through the banking, you know, whether someone's trying to purchase their first home, start a business, um, you know, someone going off to college, you know, there's so much, there's so much to it. For me at Heritage, it was a little different because it's, it's they focus in agriculture lending. Mm. So Heritage doesn't have checking accounts. It doesn't have savings accounts. We were 
purely lending. But it was a very niched market, which is also very fascinating. As a marketer, you're like, this is awesome, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I just glow when I think <laughs> about it. Because if we were trying to go after farm and ranch, um, but, you know, buyers um, or sellers, because then we can interact in that transaction. It was real estate. I love real estate. I have a real estate license. So it was great to see, you know, to see that. Um, and then also just it's the rural parts of America, right? So it was a little different. Um, but um, I it was really fascinating because we. We focused on targeting Bill Tanley, which is by far, I would say, the best boss I've ever had. Um, he was he always talked about how our job was to lower the blood pressure of the people from the Metroplex um, because a lot of them were buying land out here and, you know, they they needed a weekend getaway and, you know, all this other stuff. But then there was also the other side of it, too, which was like we were also helping new farmers and ranchers continue that generation and that legacy of their family. So it was wonderful to have both markets because I manage 16 counties. We um, were based on charter territory based on counties. So um, I had down south, the Luf- as far as south, that's Lufkin all the way north to Greenville and then west to Fort Tarrant County, uh, Fort Worth. So it was a pretty large territory. It was it was like having two separate markets within, you know, one, every single county was a different market. But really, whenever I looked at it from a marketing perspective, I had two buyers. I had my Metroplex, you know, wealthy attorney, doctor, um, half a million dollars or more in, in income um, coming to buy land in East Texas or maybe mm-hmm. West Texas or, you know, anywhere else. Um, some of them bought land in Colorado or Montana. And the great thing about that was that um, if I target them online, we were pure gold because as long as they lived or worked in our territory, we can finance anywhere in the country. Mm-hmm. And then for like the Palestines of the world or like, you know, Athens, it was about that livestock, you know, show. It was about the PR. It was about the foot, you know, uh, feet in the ground kind of thing. So it was yes. a, it was just a wonderful. I got a lot of great experience from, from working. And then at the end, it was about that transaction, right? How fast can we turn our deal around? I relied a lot on the loan officers. We had the loan officers didn't report to me. They report to the chief credit officer, but indirectly, um, you know, I managed their budget. I had a really good budget um, for, for, the, for the um, bank. So it was, there was a lot of working together with a lot of the loan officers and then just a lot of the community um, activities that happen in some of these cities. Even like, you know, in McKinney, we did a lot of great things with the state fair. So being able to work with them and just seeing the way they market, the way they try to target their customer, it's mm-hmm. very different. Yeah, that's exciting. I, yeah. I love, you know, the, the, the buyer persona. You yes. Know, I love imagining them in, you know, a hundred different ways, you know, or like, and then it's really exciting when you get to see them walk through the door or walk through your yes. business and say, you are the person I was speaking with, you know, that, that yes. I was trying to speak to, you know, um, and then you can always it, that, that's where the data comes in. So it's so important to do that homework and yes. really just get to know who those people are, because I do it. I just did it the, the past week of I was trying to write copy um, for a website. Uh, for our website. And I was like, I want to talk to this person, you know, and I, I had done some interviews and things like that to carriers and, and the people that we, we market to. And I could just pull it out and say, okay, here's this person. I asked him these questions and then I can kind of harken back to that person and say, oh, he said this based on that. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm inspired to, you know, and I, I know what to say now, you know? Yeah, it, it's great. It's so important to have that ear to the ground and, and know who you're talking to. Yeah. Are there any particular campaigns or stories that you that you told in your role uh, there that that were like that were really fun to work on? Um, when I left, we had just switched agencies and we were working on this wonderful campaign, which it just like hit me. I was driving around, you know, East Texas somewhere. And um, it's called What is a Land Bank? And it mm. was really approached with a guerrilla marketing effect. They're still developed, like they were still working on it whenever I left. But that was, I was really excited about that um, because it was really taking the, when do you need a land bank, right? Most people don't even know land banks exist. And most people don't know that when you finance through a land bank, you become a, a owner of that bank. You get some stock, you get dividends. I mean, there's so many benefits to it. 
rates are usually better. Um, there's, it's just, and it's really about community too. It was interesting. We did these customer appreciation dinners. We do those every year and we did the very first one in Fort Worth. Really when I took this job, I remember the senior leadership team at that point said, okay, your biggest you know, challenge in your role would be to penetrate the Fort Worth market to get us in the door. And I felt like I left very accomplished in that there was a lot of things that we did, but the biggest thing for me was, um, you know, creating that sense of community, but also not losing the roots of the bank. Like we are still very like mom and pop. We're still very home. But it was great to see these people at this high rise that we were in the city um, club in, in Fort Worth downtown. They were exchanging pictures about their cows and their tractors and, you know, their chickens and, you know, how long, you know, they've been in there um, in their land or whatever, just the way someone in Palestine was. So the feel, the emotional sense of what you were really like selling was mm-hmm. all there. So, you know, you, you always sell on emotion. You know, that's what right. drives people. Um, that sense of pride and legacy in the land um, bank kind of feel. But, you know, it's still that persona in the Metroplex. It's still super well. I mean, you know, there was dinners where I had dinners with like the Bass Brothers from, you know, Bass Pro Shop. Mm. Or um, the last event I went with. Uh, with Heritage Lane, that was my very last uh, night at with them. Um, we did something with the syndicate, the son of the Marlboro um, cowboy, you know, from the okay. commercial. His son was there at that at that event. And, you know, so it's all these really high profile people. But at the end of the day, there's still that pride in, in you know, the agricultural feel of it. So yeah. it's never losing sight of that. The roots. Yeah. 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 That's cool. That's cool. Um, you touched on community and I want to I want to jump into it now. Because, yeah. Um, that, that's really cool. It's a it's a it's an interesting. That's a that's a cool experience. Thank you for sharing that, because to think about how, you know, the, the financial market connects with the rural East Texas. That's that's pretty exciting. Um, but, you know, talking about community building, because my perspective is that, you know, it's it's the local it's the localized thing. It's that root connection, that emotional connection that you can make with that person. Uh, the closeness that you can make with that other person is really what's going to um transform the relationship that person has with the business or, or the person. Right. And it's, it's in the, it's in that value set where all those business people, you know, out yeah. there in Dallas, you know, uh, the, the big city, right. Uh, the big D they, they could bond over their love for cattle or the ranch or just, you know, the open land that East Texas has a plenty. So, um, in that is a community of people. Right. And they share those common values. So um, I think that should shape anybody's perspective on marketing. It's, it's building the community. Oh, yeah. It's the engagement. I mean, when I started at the bank, we would get maybe out of the 10 or at that point, we only had seven branches in the in the area. Um, we would get 20 online leads, right? Like in a month. And they were like, oh, yeah, we're doing really great. We had 500 um, social media followers. Um one by the time I left five, you know, almost five years later, we were getting about fifteen hundred leads a month between oh, all goodness. of them collectively. Right? Yeah, and that's great. But if my loan, and that's just what I would always tell them, like, yeah, I, I'll bring you the leads, but we have to be a team. I can't look good if you don't if you don't take care of this customer, right? Mm-hmm. If you don't make them feel welcome, if you don't make them feel important, if you don't help them, you know, solve their problem or fulfill a need. So it's a team effort. It, so it, it is, it's a community within the employees that builds the community. To me, it felt like within our members or stockholders, because, um, I mean, I can bring in 1500 leads, you know, in a month, but what happens if they don't feel welcome? What happens if they don't feel like they're part of a community? What happens if they don't feel like they're being, you know, they matter? Yeah, or their needs are being met. Yeah. Exactly. They're going to either not do business with us, or if they do business with us, they're going to try to find something else to replace it as soon as they can, right? Yeah. So that community is very important. Um, so um, it, it was very interesting to see the way um, we target different audiences, but still the transaction and going through the flow was very similar. It was still about the those high like engagement and touch points, you know, yeah, you would have the doctor who was like, just email me everything. I would do everything right. electronically. And that's totally cool. 
But at the end of the day, he still wanted great service. He still wanted to feel like he was important. He still wanted to fit into something, you know, in that. And that was a lot of the differentiator, like with them working with someone like a Chase or a Bank of America or, you know, even like the community banks that that were local in, in some of the areas. And, you know, nothing against Bank of America. They paid for all my undergrad. Right. So I'm like, I'll stay loyal. That's one <laughs> thing. I'm, I'm pretty loyal. So, um, you know, but at the same time, they couldn't compete with that because, I mean, I worked for the big retail banks and you are a number, you know, and, and it was hard to find, you know, if I, if I were to, um, go to a bank of America hosted event, I'll be one of many, maybe most people won't know my names. When you came to our customer appreciation dinners, um, the CEO was shaking your hand, welcoming in, um, you know, we had the chief operator officer or the CIO, like, you know, coming in there, being available for you to ask any questions if you had questions about security or, you know, any kind of you hear that there's breaches and you could ask, what are you doing, you know, to, mm-hmm. to help protect me? And we were more like people instead of, oh, um, you know, it's just someone somewhere in the cloud trying to, you know, right. keep me protected. Right. I love how you're highlighting um, how the community of employees has to have the similar and same value set as the community of uh potential customers that you need that that you're trying to reach out to because once you once the employee once the business knows you know okay this is what the customer values and this is how they they think about things you can better serve them yeah and then all of a sudden you do have that you know that firm connection that's how you can create the relate that's where relationships are created right it's those common bonds that's really exciting um but out of banking i want to i want to transfer into, you know, what you're doing now, because it's pretty exciting and relatively new for you. So, um, as the CEO of WorkHub, uh, tell me about, tell, tell us about that. Like, what are you up to right now? Yeah. Um, so, I mean, to me, this was, this was not in my plans. Mm -hmm. So, you know, back to like, okay, I need to have a master's by 28. And then, you know, I've told you before, my goal was to have five rental homes by the time I was 35. And this was never in in the plan. But at the same time, I feel like I've always known what I wanted. I've always known what, like, and Bill Tanley would always talk about, you know, if you have a, a plan, you might deviate from, you know, how do you get there, but you always end up there, right? So, yeah. but it's been great. Work Hub has been um, very exciting just because I feel like um, I have a passion for real estate and um, I feel like this is a cross intersection of real estate with hospitality back to that, you know, engagement and community. Um, so it's been wonderful to, to be a part of and it's innovative. It's, it's fresh. It's, um, it's recreating and making shifts in this, um, in this workforce that we're, you know, we're seeing change every day. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's been, it's been an interesting thing. Um, for me, one of the most inspiring things that happens, I feel like at work back to being, you know, the community part of it is how our members connect with other members or with the community. I mean, we had a Catalyst 100 came out, um, Smitty Ruth came out and said, you know, I want to do a millennial panel. And she's like, is there any millennials in your, in your community that we can, you know, bring into this? And we did, we were able to pick out some, some great people that we felt was great. You were part of that panel. Um, you know, and it was great because, you know, we all have to learn from each other. And I think it's wonderful to have a natural neutral place in town for everyone to kind of cross and meet and learn what everyone's doing. Um, and there's, there's, to me, I feel like no labels, right? It's not, um, you know, it's not a city, you know, building, it's not a religious building. It's not, you know, it's just a very neutral place. I feel like where people can come together and get work done and build community and connect with other people and find out who else is in Tyler? You know, mm-hmm. I was telling you, I got really inspired when, when one of your early um, podcasts where, you know, you talked about, you know, wanting to leave East Texas and go to Austin or go to Dallas or go to, because there's all these great things. Mm-hmm. And that's always been, I'm like, oh, I want to go do something international. I want to go to a big city. Um, but you switch my mindset of, okay, why, why do I want to go there, first of all? And how, why can't I make that cool element of whatever it is I want to go find happen here, right? Mm-hmm. So I think that's what work has been to me. It's been like, okay, that cool element of something outside of Tyler happening in Tyler mm-hmm. and making a shift for something different. Yeah. Well, thanks for listening to the podcast. Yeah, <laughs> of course. No, I, I love it. It's great. Yeah. Yeah. It, well, it, it is an exciting thing for Tyler. Um, and WorkHub is, is such a um, cool facility. 
you know, they, the one thing that really impressed me about the facility itself, once it was complete, and I've been there a few times now, yeah. is that, that <clears throat> kind of auditorium open area that there is. So it's, you know, it's one thing to have a desk, you know, and have everybody working in a communal space, but it's another to have, you know, there's like a nook and cranny where there's like a full on library just about of yeah. every personal development book that I'd want to <laughs> read, you know, yeah. and that you can kind of <clears throat> sneak off to or just visit. Uh, but then on the other end, you've got this you know, place for presentations and, you know, things to inspire others. Uh, and then there's always, every time I'm there, there's always some event happening in one of these little private rooms. It's, you know, you've got the whiteboards and everything's there for somebody to really develop a career. Like it's really such a cool place. It's almost like if, you know, you didn't, you, it's like, it's almost the excitement, the same excitement that I get when I visit a college campus. Even though I didn't, you know, I only visited college campuses. I didn't spend a lot of time there. Um, Every time I'm on a college campus, you have that. I, I do at least this this aura of and, what can you know, I do here? What can I do? Yeah, and what's possible? Exactly. And what what types of minds are around me at this moment? And even even if you don't talk to anybody while you're there, you still have that around you, and that atmosphere and that environment can really um, propel you to the next level. Yeah, and that's um, one of the things. Like when Lisa was really looking at you know what do we do with this building? Um, it, you know, she wanted a place for people to get gather, community to gather, mm-hmm. and for people to like grow and develop and, you know, grow either as an entrepreneur, grow as an individual. Um, you know, like I said, we've had students that said, well, I just want to join, you know, Work Hub because I w- I'm about to graduate and I want to start building my network or I want to know how to talk to people whenever I do interview. So that's been great. Um, yeah, I had a lady today that joined us recently and she said, do I need to check out any of the books back in the Knowledge Hub that you were talking about? I said, no, those are just come and take, you know, you come, you read it. Um, you can take it home if you want to. And when you're done, we just ask that you put it back. If you have something that you, you know, you yourself want to share that you read before and you feel like it fits, leave it on the bookshelf. Right. Mm-hmm. Let someone else gain some something from that as well. So it's really a really creative place. You walk into it and you're like, the possibilities are endless because mm-hmm. the place is so adaptive. If you're an introvert, there's space for you. If you're an extrovert, there's community for you. There's, you know, opportunities for you to join in conversations, enter a workshop. You know, we, we do a lot of things that we hope will benefit and enrich our members, not just work life, but their person in general, right? Um, because it's kind of like that third place, right? You have your family, you know, your friends, and then you have work, which occupies a lot large part of anyone's life. So mm-hmm. you want to enjoy where you work and the people you work around with, even though they may not be directly a coworker mm-hmm. um, for the same company, you still socialize with them and you want that to be enjoyable. And, you know, we're starting to see big, like more middle-sized established companies come in. Like I've talked to an engineering company um, who wants to like partition a whole space because they want to build their team around that. And, you know, it's very cost effective when you really think about not paying maintenance and internet and electricity and all this stuff around it. And one of the things I learned at this conference, I was telling you, I was in Maryland last week. We, uh, the operations manager myself was out there for uh, four days. Um, by the year 2030, 30% of all commercial space in general will have a co-working element of some sort a shared office space of some sort. So um, again, from the real estate side, it's a great, it's it's redefining what real estate is, right? And what commercial real estate is. Um, long gone are the days where you go and you want to start a business and you sign a seven, you know, 10 year, co- well, they told us that it's usually was 10 to 15 years. Now the average that we're starting to see is about seven year contracts mm. because people just don't work that way, right? It's back to that cable Netflix con- concept. Right. You know, you, there's some elements that you may need to take advantage of and then there's some that you don't and that's fine. You mm-hmm. know, it's being adaptable and being able to pivot. Yeah. So in terms of community building, um, I'm curious to know and to, to, to pick your brain on how you think about community building within uh, a diverse a diverse place like uh, a co-working environment like WorkUp, mm-hmm. because you're going to have people from all kinds of uh, different working environments uh, coming in and they're going to have different skill sets and all, you know, different yeah. backgrounds are going to be people, you know, yeah. different people. So, so how do you approach fostering <clears throat> a community environment where, you know, um, y- y- you want, 
you want the degree of comfortability there of like different people and uh, friendliness and that kind of thing. But at the same time, you also want to be able to focus. Right. So how do you balance that focus and friendliness uh, yeah. in, a, in a working space? At the end of it, the day, one of the things I always tell the rest of the team is people are here to be productive. Right. At the end of the day, that's where they find their value is being able to get their job done, um, being able to accomplish a task or a meeting or anything like that. So what what we try to do is we try to accommodate in those, you know, I guess, holes or those empty spaces where we can bring people together. We have a walking track, right? So we see a lot of our members sometimes when they take calls or sometimes they'll buddy up and they'll take a walk together. And that doesn't necessarily mean we have to like schedule a walk together, right? Mm -hmm. Our members do that correctly. And I think by offering all the different amenities that we do, um, and then like we just had um, headshots, like, you know, that's a professional element uh, in any profession, whether you're Mm -hmm. a freelancer, whether you work for a corporate office and you just, you know, so we try to find the basic necessities in there, but then we also try to add like, like food trucks, right? We're starting to bring a free truck out there every other week. Every two weeks we have someone new. It helps us funnel, um, you know, different, different businesses as well into, hey, come, you know, can be part of this and we want you to be successful because we want you to be part of the greater Tyler community, mm-hmm. but come and be in our community for a little bit. Um, so that's been really great for our members. And then we also have, um, you know, more detail, like um, we've partnered with like Core Insights so that they've done some very good training, professional development training. Again, that doesn't just necessarily, you know, it's not just like we're going to learn about accounting. Mm-hmm. We're going to learn about emotional intelligence. We're going to learn about your blind spots, stuff that applies to almost any professional, whether you're an engineer, a social media ad consultant, or a roofing company, right? Mm-hmm. We can all kind of take on from that. And I think that builds community. Um, we have a thing that um, <clears throat> someone else had recommended done. Uh, it's called Beer 30. So every Friday at 3.30 uh, in, the even- in the afternoons, we bring out beer from Truban who sponsors that and um, we just let people come in and gather and like talk about what their weekend um, plans are. What did they do this week? You know, what kind of projects are they working for? Or, hey, I'm looking for someone who can help me with a website. Do you have anyone you would recommend? So there's a lot of that that happens on Fridays. That's why we started that $5 co-working Friday because we wanted the general public to also come out and maybe see if work is not just a place where they can come and work, but that they can also build community as well. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing builds community than, you know, beer and tacos. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. They they say, you know, the, the, the way to the heart's through the stomach, right? Right. That is true. Yeah, that is true. Um, you mentioned that you went to a conference. Um, what are like two or three top takeaways that you had from this, uh, from that event? It's a coworking specific event. Mm -hmm. What are some things that you're like, man, I'm so glad, you know, this is worth the ticket. Yeah. Um, one of the big things that we... Which one was it? What was it called? It's called Global Work uh, Work for, uh, Workspace Association. Okay. GWA. So one of the big ones that we both, um, the operations manager and myself came back with is more access to virtual space, virtual, virtual membership. And we're trying to work the details on that. But um, I also have to remember Tyler is not, you know, Dallas or is not New York where you find a co-working space every two blocks. Right. Um, but at the same time, that doesn't mean that we can't offer our community those same benefits that, but virtual, virtual memberships were one of the big ones that people talked about. And more than anything, it's just giving you kind of that, you get a PO box kind of, um, membership, but then it also gives you access to the amenities that we have. So that's one thing that we're really looking forward to. The other is just being prepared, us getting prepared um, to be able to be nimble whenever larger companies come to us, you know, being sure that, that our technology is where it needs to be, that we, you know, if we're, I told you, we just bought some new real estate that we wanted to, we want to develop, um, being able to make sure that if someone needs to move walls, that we don't, we're not breaking down walls, that we have the flexibility of good mobility to make sure that we can expand the space as, as it needs to be. That was a big thing. And then the, the last one goes back to our members. How do we make sure that our members, um, 
feel like they're part of a community where they don't have to rely on us mm. to initiate like the the professional development and all that stuff. I had mm. a member today who pitched an idea to my event coordinator last week while I was out about um, doing kind of like a show and tell among our members. Oh, and cool. he wants to own that. And how wonderful is it that our member like takes pride and wants to initiate it and, and take take that on. Right. So it's really about letting sure making sure that um, our members feel like they're not just paying a, you know, a monthly fee, mm-hmm. but they're actually being a part of what goes on in the space and they're, you know, accountable. Like, you know, if, if they go and, and, and use the kitchen that they know that, you know, you wouldn't leave dirty dishes, you know, um, in the countertops, you know, you put them in the dishwasher. Right. So being part of that community that holds each other accountable. We had the gentleman, um, I remember his name was Jeff. I don't remember his last name. He is the main trainer for the Ritz Carlton. The um, so they brought him out here, and he did a really great thing on, um, you know, member engagement. Or you know, for him, it was his guests. Mm-hmm. But then he also talked about the employee engagement. And to me, I feel like a CEO, and I feel like a lot um, in a lot of management roles um, with with heritage, even with mentoring minds. When I managed some people there in a team for the digital arm. Um, if I take care of my employees, they take care of my customers, right? Yeah. So I got to make sure that my employees are also feeling like they're valued, that they are part of something great, that they are able to be empowered to make decisions and that they don't need to run everything by me, you know? So um, being able to do that, I think those were one of those bigger takeaways. For yeah. Me. Yeah. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah. One thing that really you talk about changing your mindset. I happened upon an audio book on Spotify. It's still there. I, I checked it out the a few months ago or what have you. But, uh, the one thing from the book that just like really turned the key for me was, um, it was called the culture blueprint and it was talking about building strong company culture. And he says, uh, culture is co-created and it really made a big mm-hmm. impact on me on, on like, Yes. You know, it's one of those things where you don't see it until you, you hear that and you're like, oh, wow. And it's so true that, you know, it's, it's up to everybody to create that culture, that community. And it's not that culture goes away when it's not good. It's just, you don't have a good culture, you know? Yeah, exactly. And it's, I like how you said that, you know, you're emphasizing the this culture of contribution where, you know, everybody is, you know, listened to and you make every effort to listen to ideas and different things. And it's like this, you know, where accountability is like the unfun part of it. Yeah. Um, it's also this this the 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 flip side of that the yang of the yin there is is contribution where you know if you see somebody else washing the coffee cup you're probably going to be more likely to wash the coffee cup next time because like oh yeah that's my coffee cup you know right. yeah. <laughs> so, yeah so it's like uh, I, I like I like that the that community building it's all about uh, how everybody can individually contribute uh, their unique talent or perspective or or gifts um, to make to to make the better to better the whole right I mean a great example the last two hires I I brought into the space um, were member referrals members told them hey you would be great for this and to me that's wonderful because members are not going to tell that to someone they don't want in the community or they don't, you know, they've already kind of vetted these people for me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, obviously we interviewed everyone who, who applied and had the qualifications for the, um, for the job. But at the same time, um, members know what we are and therefore their recommendations are really, really valuable because they want to keep that culture. They like, like I had a member today was like, have I told you how much I love being in this space? You know, how uh, that's awesome, you know, but it's, it is about the accountability. Like, um, you know, this was the first time ever in my whole career, even from being a teller um, to now that I had to clean the toilet, but mm-hmm. I had to clean the toilet and you just do what you got to do. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a, a lady um, come in on Tuesday, I think, and she She's like, I should have taken a picture of you. And I said, why? And she's like, oh, you were doing, you know, the CEO does the dishes at, at, at work hub. But it's just like, I can't expect my members to do something and me be not expected to do it because yes. I hold, a, you know, a title that at the end of the day is just, it's just, you're the person responsible for anything goes wrong, right? That's right. it. Other than that, you've got to make this work. Um, and, and the same thing with my employees, like they have to lead by example, um, so, you know, it's one thing to say, oh, you know, I'm, I love my job or I, I love doing this. But if you 
pull your hands away from the fire whenever it's time to do some of the things that require you to show that you you do love your job or do something like that, then, you know, then that what you say is not really what you're doing. And that's not exactly that's not right. 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 Yeah, I think and it comes down to where community building, it, it, it comes down to values. And, you know, it, it can be as simple as I value a clean coffee cup, you know, yeah. Where whereas the leader <laughs> is at the top, but it shows a strong leader who can humble themselves enough to the values that are at the bottom. You right. know, the, the values are the foundation. I have it in like a hierarchy for me is like values are the foundation. And then you you need a leader to exemplify those values. But then in the middle, you have that leader that brings people th- from those common values up. Uh, and in that middle, you have that community. You have that yeah. the, that that collaboration. Um, that. Yeah, that's exciting. So, yo, the CEO, I'm just curious, <laughs> what, uh, what inspired you to create a new Instagram? Well... I okay. As much as people think I'm this total crazy extrovert, I'm not. I am by nature an introvert. Mm-hmm. I, um, you know, I, I'm not like, hey, here's Yo, here's the life of the party. Never. Like I usually kind of watch, you know, what everyone's doing and go. But at um, at the GWA, they talked about how as CEOs, we need to be the face of our space. We need, like back to you know, I can't ask my member to wash their cup if I don't wash my own cup, right? Yeah. So it's like, you know, you you have to show, you know, you have to be out there. You have to tell your space. You have to believe in your space and let other people know what you as a leader are. Um, and that should reflect what you as your co-working space also tends to be. So um, it's really getting out of my comfort <laughs> area. Um you know, uh, we had our previous operations manager, like she loved to do videos and she would be like, okay, yo, you got to get, and it would take us like 30 shots because I was terrible just being up front, you know, um, of a camera, but it's like, it's going outside of my comfort zone and really saying, okay, I am owning the the title. I mean, this was a hard title for me to like accept. I don't know why, um, but it was kind of like, I was kind of shy about it at first. I mm-hmm. felt like, okay, I don't want to come off arrogant or I don't want to come off like, oh, well, I'm a CEO, right? Right. Um, because that's just not the way I want to be defined as like, you know, ar- you know, arrogant or like, you know, all this other stuff. Um, I want to always be approachable. And this was the first time I felt like this title got in the way of being approachable. Um, you know, when I was promoted to VP marketing, I was really proud and excited. And I was like, oh, yeah. And, you know, being a young female in, in banking, especially in an agricultural bank, um, I was really excited about that. But the whole CEO kind of like intimidated me there for a while. And then um, I have to own it. I have to believe my own magic. Right. So um, so I was listening to several of the other um, CEOs on this panel that they had. And they're like, you have to to, you know, get out there and you have to do things like this podcast and, you know, be okay with talking about yourself and not feel intimate, you know, not feel like, like I am being arrogant or anything. It's just, I guess the facts, this is what I've done. And this is where I, my beliefs meet, um, my business, um, values. Yeah. It's exciting. It's exciting. Well, uh, congratulations on <laughs> on you. putting on the CEO suit there. You yeah. know, <laughs> if it's not a suit, you know, but but uh, uh, own, uh, owning the title or stepping into the title, I think, is the best way to say it. And that's not my words. It's a words from a book that I recently read because I recently had a career transition and it's called The First 90 Days. I don't know. if I think we might have talked about it. And um, he talked like one of the first things <laughs> is in that book is he talks about stepping into the role, mm. how important it is to have a, it's, it's not, you know, like, Hey, here I am. I'm the hammer. It's, yeah. it's more stepping into it. Like, Hey, you earn this. That's why you're bringing, you know, you're coming on to this, um, this new role. You're taking on this new role. Yeah. So step into it and make it your own and, uh, props for you doing that. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so I want to ask you, um, I want to ask you the village question. Yeah, go ahead. So the village question uh, came up from uh, our, my conversation with Mike Smith. I highly encourage you to check out that podcast if you're listening right now. Uh, Michael Smith, the digital nomad he is. <laughs> Shout out to you uh, if you're listening. But um, this conversation is it, it's a it's a str- it's the strong calm question, and it goes like this: um, You 
yo, the CEO, you say you want to attract, you know, you, you, you're the beacon, right? You're the lighthouse, <laughs> you know? Um, and <coughs> so I, I want to know if you were to build a village, mm -hmm. uh, if you were to build a village and you had four signs, um, outside the village, one facing North, one facing South, East and West, um, to attract people to your village, um, what values or principles you can only choose one uh, on each sign. Would you would you choose? So four values or principles um, that you would put on those signs to to bring people into your community. Sure. Um, that is a very tough question, <laughs> but I, I think uh, respect, I think out of um, just a lot of, you know, there's a lot of great values and there's a lot of great people that, you know, um, have shown through their actions, but I think respect is probably one of the first ones. I don't know where I would put it, north, south, east, or west. Yeah, west, that, but, yeah it's our uh, But, but um, I think respect, I would start off with respect because, um, y you know, you have to be able to show that in, in all scenarios, whether you're... Um, you know, you are the highest rank or the lowest rank person respect for it. Cause, um, it's really hard to take someone seriously. It's really hard to value their knowledge. It's really hard for to value even their suggestions and recommendations if you don't have respect for that person, mm. right? Mm. Um, but it's also about respect for yourself. Um, I always say, or I, you know, I told one someone once that before I can respect them, I had to respect myself. Mm -hmm. So I had to, you know, show respect for me and have that integrity in in what I believe. Um, so I think respect would probably be one of those. Um, those, those items. And then, um, I would probably say, um, ethics, like ethical, ethical would be another, another, um, of those pillars. Um, because sometimes right and wrong is so gray, right? Mm -hmm. But ethically, do you feel like you can have a right conscious in the way that you, you built this community or you built a business or you treat others? Are you being ethical and, and you feel like your conscious is, is at a good standing? Um, dignity, I think, would be another another of those values because I feel like um, we can disagree in a lot of things, but I don't ever want to take someone's dignity away. Like, I don't ever want to... Um, make someone feel less than they are because, you know, we all have these strengths and weaknesses. And, um, I think whatever we do, um, dignity needs to be part of it. We, we can't lose that person in that. And then, um, oh, that last one, I would say, um, probably faith, faith would be in faith of like expecting the best, right? Like really, um, or hope maybe might be a better, better definition in that is just always hoping for the best, always striving for the best, always um, having a positive um, thought of something. Mm -hmm. um, you know, if we get down in the negatives, we break, we, we break ourselves, right? It's back to that, um, that example I told you, I was just like some of those decisions where I'm just like, I'm going to go do this. If I would have stopped, I would have been so fearful of doing something that I was just hoping, okay, well, I just want to get my master's. I'm hoping to do this. I'm going to go and do it. Mm -hmm. I love that. I, I would say those four. Sounds like a good place to live. <laughs> yeah, I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> that's excellent. I, I, that That's great. That's great. Um, you recalled... Um, you made me recall a, a quote that I like from uh, one of my one of my favorite authors, I would say, Daniel Pink. I don't know if you've ever heard mm -hmm. of him. He wrote um, a book called Drive, which I haven't read, but I'm sure it's good. And then he wrote um, To Sell is Human. And he wrote um, his most recent one is on the science of uh, timing, actually. Mm -hmm. um, but he he has a, uh, a quote that says, assume positive intent. Yeah. And I just I love that because in today's culture, it's, you know, it, a lot of it goes negative very, very fast yeah. without any information. And I think the best way you can you can treat someone is if you just assume positive intent that that, hey, maybe you, you don't know all the facts. You don't know that somebody right. else's Going through. background or, you know, all those things. And, um, I you know, what you said about hope and and faith and that optimism is, I think, really important. Um, yeah, I had Suzette Farr once tell me, um, you just got to believe the best in people until they prove you wrong. And I, I completely I don't know. That's just been a, a thing that I've, I've I found like I've always kind of lean towards you've mm -hmm. got to stay positive there's so much negative if you don't you know it'll 
they'll consume you. Yeah. So yeah, but you know, you've got to give the give someone the benefit of the doubt, I guess, in that perspective. You know, if they do you wrong, well, it's on them. You know, if right. if you just you've got to assume you went to it with the best intentions. Yeah. Well, um, that pretty much covers everything I wanted to ask <laughs> in terms of questions. It's such a a, a, a great uh, thing to have you on the podcast. I really appreciate it. Um, is there anything that you're excited about or uh, anywhere you want people to 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 go and um, you know uh, at, at the end here? Um, one thing I, I am excited I think about in Tyler is. I really am loving the way that, um, you know, I say youth, but um, I have a presentation. My presentation for UT Tyler was um, being an outlier, you know, like that. I've always felt like I've been an outlier in several areas, you know, whether it was um, being the youngest one in the group at one point, um, you know, being the only female or um, being the only Hispanic, you know, all this other stuff. Um, But I feel like Tyler, I'm really proud of the Tyler we're becoming, we're becoming a really good inclusive. And that means like from any, you know, from the young element to um, young people wanting to get involved, um, wanting to make a difference, wanting to say, hey, I'm here and I actually do care about this community um, to, you know, um, more senior people who have said, hey, you know, you're coming along. I was once in your shoes. So let me help you along the way. Right. You know, the culture diversity that we're starting to see, you know, we did that um, El Sistema showing yesterday with um ETSO and HPAT um, at the Liberty mm. Hall um, mm-hmm. about the Venezuelan, um, you know, system of, of showing kids and poverty about music. You know, so to me, I'm really proud of of the changes we've, we're seeing in Tyler. And I just hope that people continue one that there's value, you know, that people find value in it, but people continue to be open, open about that. And that, um, you know, we, we have a lot to, to be very thankful for in, in this community. And, and I think people, um, you know, you don't have to go. You're right. You don't have to go out into Austin. You know, it's nice yeah. to get away for the weekend. You don't have to go out to Dallas or, you know, to find some of those great elements that are happening here in East Texas. And, and it's proud to be, I'm proud to be part of that, of that community. Um, but that's it. You know, find me on Instagram or Twitter. Yo, the CEO. Yeah, Just started those accounts. So um, bear with me as I, as I fill them with content. <laughs> Right, right. Yeah. Bloom where you're planted. I think that's, uh, you know. The lesson in there. Yeah, the yeah. lesson there and my yeah. encouragement yeah. to you at that point. Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you, yo. Um, hope y'all enjoyed. And we'll see you next time. Thank y'all.